Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is September 18th, 2017. My name is Philip Rossman Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. And we are officially one week away from the beginning of the Orlando Magic season as Media Day takes place September 25th. So next Monday... I'll be sitting in this chair getting you prepared for what I'm going to be looking for and even some of the questions I'll be asking the players directly at Media Day as practice gets set to start September 26th. Training camp begins next Tuesday and the Orlando Magic season, at least for me officially, gets underway. I was, I was hanging out with a, with a few, uh, few Magic people as well and uh, I, I, I joked that in a week... Content will come raining down from the heavens. We'll have so much to talk about. So we'll be cranking up the cranking up the shows here. Definitely going every day. We've been going every day uh, for most of the summer. But we'll be getting real meaty stuff to talk about. Not anymore this theoretical stuff. Not anymore of anything else. It's going to be real Orlando Magic basketball talk as we get closer and closer to the season beginning. But this week we're going to wrap up and continue our uh, player value, our player outlook series, taking a look at some of the key players that that the Magic will be playing this this year. Last week we started off with Jonathan Simmons, Maurice Spates, and Terrence Ross. You can go back to the archives on iTunes, Audioboom, Stitcher, TuneIn, and listen back to some of those episodes. I did my Facebook Live uh, last Thursday for Friday's episode talking about the lottery. Uh, I'm sure at some point I'll probably talk a little bit about NBA 2K. I've had a chance to play the game a little bit this weekend. I've been actually pretty impressed with it. Um, it, it. It's definitely some getting used to as far as the new shooting controls and even just the pacing of the game. I think it, 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 they've done a really good job getting the realism down. But in today's episode, I want to just continue our player outlook series, take a look at two key players for the Orlando Magic that are kind of coming at opposite ends of the spectrum, but will be both absolutely key for the Magic and their success this year. We're going to talk about Jonathan Isaac and Bismack Biyombo. And, you know, it, it's it's fairly frequently, probably more frequently than it should be, that I get a comment from someone asking me, why didn't the Magic just take Dennis Smith Jr.? Why did the Magic take the project over the guy who seemed like the sure thing. And then certainly after Summer League, that that only intensified. And, and, and I'll, I'll fully admit this and I'll fully state this. If I were sitting in Jeff Weltman's chair, at least with the information that I have, I have no clue what information the Magic have, but with the information I had, I would have taken Dennis Smith Jr. too. I think that he... Definitely fills a desperate need for the Magic as someone who can attack the basket and score. 
That doesn't mean I think that taking Jonathan Isaac was a bad pick or the wrong pick. Like I said at the draft, when you, if you go back and listen to what I said during the draft period, I did not feel like the Magic could make a bad choice at six. And even the guy that I didn't think was the right choice for the Magic, he looked pretty good at Eurobasket. And I'm talking about Laurie Markin, and I was kind of a never Markin guy at six, but Markinen looked pretty good uh, for Finland during Eurobasket, so I might be eating some crow uh, on my evaluation of him. But when it comes down to it, I think that the Magic were looking at this draft and thinking about what kind of team do we want to be? Because more than any player on this roster, this is the player that Jeff Weltman and his organization are going to be investing the most in. This is the guy that will be the Orlando Magic or or be who they want to represent the Magic. And it's not that Dennis Smith couldn't fill that role. From my understanding, the debate within the Magic uh, front office was down to Isaac and Smith, uh, as far as I understand. You know, maybe maybe, uh, I was told wrong, but it it certainly seems like both both were, were under heavy consideration from the Magic. So why did the Magic take... Jonathan Isaac, the guy who averaged, what, 12 points per game for the for Florida State last year, um, averaged like seven rebounds per game, guy who uh, had meager statistics, and, and, you know, the criticism of him was that he just faded into the background too much. Why did they take him? It's easy to see and look at his physical stature and understand exactly what the Magic were thinking. Yes, he may be a little bit of a duplicate of Aaron Gordon in some key ways and, and not in others, But Isaac has the length and athleticism that the modern wing in the NBA needs. He has the potential, and it is potential, to be the best player in this draft. And as as I've always kind of said, when you're drafting that high, when you're in the high lottery, you take the best player available, no matter who it is. You figure out the fit later. And, And I know that's gotten the magic into some trouble before, It's gotten some other teams into trouble as well. But the best player available is never the wrong choice, especially uh, in a draft where, you know, it's all a futures game. You don't know what's going to come out. So you you, you don't necessarily swing for the fences, but if you swing for singles and doubles, you end up missing out on guys who are very good or you overlook guys who can be very good and develop into the players you want them to be. And that's where I think Jonathan Isaac fits in here. This is a guy with an insane wingspan, and that's that you can take a drink there for, for your J. Billis bingo. This is a guy who models after that Giannis Antetokounmpo that John Hammond drafted. The kind of lengthy, switchy defensive players that the Magic want to be based off of. Like I said, this is a tone-setting signing. And it's not that Isaac cannot produce on the offensive end. He showed that he can do that at times at Florida State, he deferred to older players. He wasn't asked to do it. In fact, at Florida State, he was really asked to do, I think, a lot of the things that the Magic are going to ask him to do. And with young players especially, it is so difficult to find guys who are willing and capable defensive players. That is a mentality you cannot teach. And if I had to guess and it came down to something... It was Dennis Smith just isn't committed on the defensive end. He is not a good defender. It's it's just not part of his game. Jonathan Isaac's game is built on the defensive end. 
And Isaac proved throughout his time at Florida State that he can be a supporting player. He doesn't have to have the ball in his hands to be an effective scorer, and he can be a dominant defensive player. That is what the Magic sought in Jonathan Isaac. And so the question, there are two questions then that come to mind with Isaac. The first question is, how long will it take for Isaac to develop into that star player the Magic need? And what can Isaac give you this year? The first question, honestly, might depend on how you answer the second question, but the first question is a long-term, big-picture question that the Magic will be asking and Jonathan Isaac will be answering for much of his rookie contract. That second question is what we want to focus on here in a 2018 outlook. We saw from Jonathan Isaac in Summer League, a player who needs confidence and comfort. And it took him a while to get it at the Summer League level. His first game, you could tell he was a bit nervous. You could tell that he was he was kind of getting himself moving and going. He you know stayed active on the offensive glass, but he missed a lot of shots and kind of faded into the background. Just it didn't really assert himself. But as he got more comfortable throughout that week, he began to dominate the game more. He began to take over, take over, and take control. And you could see that confidence slowly building. In that second game, he asserted himself on the defensive end. He made himself indispensable. On, that, on the defensive side of the ball. That the, the play of his summer league came in that second game against the Miami Heat when he blocked a shot, got the ball, and took it down the other, other end of the floor and dunked it. He has the ability to go end-to-end on his own, to drive off the dribble and score at the basket. That's the promise the Magic see in him. And so by that third game before he left with, with the injury, a minor injury, that third game... He was dominating the ball. He was looking for his own shot, creating his own shot, and scoring efficiently. The numbers aren't there for for everyone to point at and say, see, this is good. This guy is for real. Not in the same way that, again, the guy he's probably going to get a lot of comparisons to this year in Dennis Smith was for Dallas. That doesn't mean, though, that Isaac did not have a good summer league. Isaac had a fantastic summer league. And it's going to take some time to get that comfort at the NBA level. I suspect that we'll see Isaac maybe get a few spot starts with the Lakeland Magic to help foster that confidence. But once Isaac has that confidence, he has the skills and the ability to play at a high level. The question for the Magic is, how do you foster that confidence? And with the way the Magic's roster is currently constructed, I... I don't go any faster than Isaac needs to go. Isaac is still really young, 18, 19 years old. It's going to take a while for him to mature. Everyone knows he's got to put on some muscle to get to become the player that the Magic need him to become. But at the same time, there are still some things that he can definitely do. I think that The Magic will keep Isaac's role very simple this year. They'll ask him to defend first and foremost. That's his NBA skill. I I mean, when when I've talked about Mario Azonia in the past, 
Mario Azonia struggled in the NBA because he was supposed to have a defined NBA skill as a shooter. That shot has betrayed him. And it's hard to figure out why why you should put him on the floor if he can't do the thing he's supposed to do. Jonathan Isaac's defined NBA skill is defense. If he plays hard on the defensive end, he'll make mistakes, sure. But if he plays hard and effectively on the defensive end, he will find playing time in the Magic rotation, and that will be his role, to be a defender. I think the Magic should ask him to attack the glass. He proved that he can battle on the offensive glass a little bit uh, and get rebounds. And then the last part, offensively, get out in transition, make open shots, but get out in transition and get to the basket. They're not going to really put the ball in his hands a lot, I think, on the offensive end and ask him to create. Not until he's ready for it. But a lot of his role is going to be make, make your spot-up shots when you're open, get to, the ba- get to the basket and transition. And yes, that's very similar to his role at Florida State when there were all those questions about him asserting himself. This is not the year probably for him to assert himself. This probably isn't that time. He's going to grow into that role. And maybe he goes faster than we all think, and he's doing that by the end of the year. Or maybe it takes him a while. Maybe it takes him a while to adjust, and he kind of sticks to his role in the Magic, focus their game attention elsewhere. Isaac's development is going to be very interesting to watch because it potential is something of a dirty word, and it's a big question mark. But if he even begins to scratch that potential, he becomes a very valuable player for this Magic team. Like I said, I expect him to come off the bench. I don't expect him to start next to Aaron Gordon quite yet. No matter what NBA 2K18 says, I'm not ready to insert him into the starting lineup quite yet. But he definitely has that potential. And we may see, if he's a, if he's a better shooter than we anticipate, we could see that Isaac Gordon terror defensive lineup that we all expect. Or we could see Isaac be a death lineup five. There's a lot of potential and a lot of things you can do with Isaac, and that's why the Magic drafted him. Because of that versatility, because of that ability to, to just mold and shape him however they want. The question then is going to become, what can he give the Magic this season to get to that level? And that's a huge question for him to answer. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Sort of on the opposite end of that spectrum is a guy returning from last year uh, who got the big contract, who got uh, you know a lot of love and attention, and then just failed to meet expectations, even on a basic level, and that's Bismack Biombo. It's kind of easy to forget. I mean, it's not easy to forget him. He's the highest paid player on the Magic at the moment. Uh, but it's kind of just been frustrating. I mean, frustrating for a lot of people because, A, there's still kind of a skewed salary perception about the NBA in this current uh, market. 
But Bismack Biombo was never meant to score a lot of points. So his six points per game last year, which were actually a career high for him, was never what he was meant to do. What the Magic needed from him was to take was to take the defense to another level, to be a room protector, shot blocker, to be a deterrent in the paint. Whatever he gave you on offense was a bonus. But Biombo didn't really do that. He had his lowest block rate of his career. His rebounds per game held steady at seven rebounds per game, but he's definitely on a decrease there too. His, his, his rebounding rate was actually one of the lowest of his career. His offensive rebound rate was 9.3%, first time under 10% in four seasons. His 25.6% defensive rebound rate uh, is pretty much in line with his career averages, but definitely down from his from his 2016 season when he had when he grabbed 29.5% of all defensive rebounds while he was in the game. So Biombo had a down year. There's no getting around it. He had a bad year. Again, block rate down to 4.1%, the lowest of his career. So it's definitely uh, the Magic definitely need to see Biombo become that player that they they signed. Now, some of that, some of the reason the Magic signed him was such a big deal was because he dominated that playoff series against Miami, and the Magic hoped that adding more minutes would add would lead them to get that player again. But that didn't happen. He couldn't even beat Nikola Vucevic for the starting role. And the Magic's lack of offense really made Biombo's offense troublesome. Having said all that, Biombo still made an impact defensively. Is at least some of, by some defensive metrics, he was at least as good as he was defensively against when he was with Toronto. The place where he struggled was defending shots at the rim, and, and you got to question whether. Those numbers drop. Those numbers rose, or you know, got worse because the Magic's defense was so much worse, and he was playing largely with bench units, which you know the Magic's bench last year was one of the worst bench units in the entire league. So again, the question becomes with Bismack Biombo is how does he bounce back, and can he bounce back? At this point, forget him living up to the seventeen million dollar a year contract. He's got three years left on that deal. The Magic are going to have to get as much as they can from him and probably, unfortunately, not expect him to ever live up to those to that playoff series. So forget that for now. The question then becomes, how do you get a productive Bismack Biombo? What is a productive Bismack Biombo independent of his contract? And it's probably... Something similar to what he provided last year. Six points, seven rebounds, and a block or two per game. Anchoring a defensive unit with that second with that with that bench group. I when when people have asked when whenever I've mentioned Bismack Biombo online, people have said the magic should just cut him, which is insane. Sorry, if you're if you're saying the Magic should just cut Bismack Biombo, you don't understand cap mechanics and why that's that's a bad idea. You're eating him anyway. He's not a bad. He's not an unproductive player. He does th- he does good things on the floor, just not at seventeen million dollars a year probably. 
Or they say the Magic should just trade him. Or he's not a good player because he can't do offense. And I get it. His offense leaves a lot wanting. And that is a problem. But I will say this. Bismack Biombo is the kind of player that amplifies the good work other players do. That is what he does. He makes units better by his defensive presence. When the unit isn't good already, he definitely, I wouldn't say makes them worse, but his presence and his weaknesses become more exposed. And that's what the Magic ran into last year, I think. I think Biombo was put on a team that did not allow his skills to amplify them because they didn't have shooting. They didn't have good perimeter defenders to, to kind of funnel things into him in a controlled manner. It was just a constant attack on him and the rim, and he couldn't defend it by himself. So, Biombo gets... And again, whether you should pay that kind of a player $17 million a year is a moot point at this point. You probably shouldn't. But Biombo can still be that player. He's still productive after all. He still can change games. We saw that he can change games. And so if the Magic get more out of this bench unit, if this new bench unit, which I think is much improved... If they can get more consistency from that unit, Biombo will make them better. Will make that defense better from the bench. And maybe make the magic a little bit better too. It's not necessarily a year of redemption for Biombo, but it's definitely a year where he needs to bounce back to the level that he was at in Toronto defensively. The kind the level that you can't really track statistically. He needs to get, I mean, first contract, yeah. He needs to get up to a point where he's challenging Nikola Vucevic for the starting spot. And honestly, that might be tough considering the Magic's still lack of shooting. He works best when he has shooters around him because, again, he amplifies those efforts. Without shooting, he drains it a little bit because Biombo is a non-threat on the offensive end. So, yes, Bismack Biombo disappointed a lot last year. Yes, there are still a lot of areas where he needs to improve and needs to grow. But it's also very, very possible that he will make those improvements and make that growth this year. And regardless of that monster contract, he can make a very positive contribution to this Orlando Magic team. 
I want to thank everyone again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. You can, of course, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Audioboom, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places that you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Definitely do that as we are a week away from Media Day and the beginning of Orlando Magic Training Camp. We'll have the latest on the Orlando Magic. I'll be, uh, obviously, at practices and, and at Media Day, so I'll have a complete recap of the festivities all next week as Orlando Magic season is officially, officially getting underway. So be sure to be subscribed for that. Of course, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic as well as like us on Facebook at Locked On Magic for companion articles uh, to the things we discuss on the podcast as well as much, much more. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com and follow me on Twitter at O Magic Daily. You can also follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. And, of course, our Orlando Magic Daily mailbag is currently open. So send me your Orlando Magic questions by email at omagicdaily at gmail.com. You can also send any advertising inquiries if you're interested in advertising on the show or just any general comments about the show. I want to know uh, what you guys want from me this season, what you want me to talk about the show. So I'm always open to chat either on Twitter uh, at, at omagicdaily or at philippar underscore omd or by email at omagicdaily at gmail.com. Plenty of ways to get in touch with the show. And of course, if you're on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. A five-star review helps us climb the rankings and lets people know about our great show as Orlando Magic season is right around the corner, literally right around the corner. There's only one weekend left before it is Orlando Magic season. I can't believe we finally made it. Almost made it, at least. Still got still got more shows to go before we get there. That's going to do it for me. We'll have more player outlooks the rest of the week as we get set for the Orlando Magic season. Plenty to talk about as the Magic season gets underway. But for now, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all tomorrow on another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.